Welcome to the Christ Community Shawnee podcast. This is Joseph Lugs. I'm here with Tim Spamberg. Hey. <laughs> we're here in episode six. We're we're over halfway. We've we've gone a long way. In episode six, we're picking up where we left off with uh, wisdom literature, as in the Hebrew Bible, called the writings. We're going to press in a little bit to the book of Proverbs, Job. Who knows? Maybe we get a little Ecclesiastes in there. I'm not sure. I and mean, it's all meaningless anyways. You know what I mean? That was a, that was a terrible Ecclesiastes joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm trying. Uh, here's, here, here is something funny. I know I've told you about this meme before, but there's a meme of a prominent pastor in Texas who's known for kind of being a uh, prosperity gospel preacher. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of his face, and the question is, <laughs> who is Herman Nudix? Anyways, two two bad jokes. Is that is this is this that rough of a start? A, I think that was a Joel Osteen joke from seminary. You know, it's good. We're it's just a, rolling. We're just very minute audience that will get that. That's okay, but it's funny. Um, well, at least to me. <laughs> <laughs> to me too. Oh, okay. All right. And maybe one person who's listening to this. Yeah. Why don't you uh, email us if you found that funny? We want to know. Um, all right. Tim, tell me your thoughts on the book of Proverbs. <laughs> if I had to name my least favorite book in the Bible, there would not be even a close second, and the number one least favorite book in the Bible would be Proverbs. What's the story with that, man? I just I, I don't find it interesting. I think the rest of the Bible says what Proverbs says. And so are you saying we should just take it out? I'm not saying that. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> no, I believe in canonicity of Proverbs. And actually there I would say there's a couple there's a couple really interesting parts of the book. I think when it comes to like just preaching it, which is mostly what I think about. Yeah. It's like I don't know how it's just a bunch of it feels like a bunch of random things put together. And maybe I don't know, I used to feel that way about the Psalms. I don't anymore. Yeah. So maybe I just need to study study it more, but I I just don't connect with Proverbs. All right, well for the person who might feel similarly to you, uh what can you tell them that might be any way redemptive of, of why they should read the book of Proverbs. I do. I think that the last chapter on uh, a godly woman is really powerful mm-hmm. and really, I think undo- undoes some really unhelpful stereotypes mm-hmm. when it comes to the Bible and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, I think Proverbs seven is a really powerful account of temptation and like very vivid and, um, and worth, worth studying. So there, there's that. And there's some people who like kind of love the sayings and that's their thing. So if you love little pithy sayings, I'm just like the anti-pithy sayings guy. And so that's probably why I don't connect with Proverbs. No, that makes sense. And I think, you know, to provide some some more compelling <laughs> reasons. Yeah, here for you, the, you, for tell the me, <laughs> you tell me why I should read Proverbs. All right, here's, here's, here's my take at, at Proverbs. What you get in Proverbs is obviously wisdom. What's nice about wisdom is that we live in a reality, and we, we talked about this in a previous podcast, where life is not all prescribed. You know, we don't, we're, we're not told in every single instance what we are to do, how we are to live. In all honesty, right, that's, that's uninteresting. No, no one wants to live that way. And so what you get in Proverbs are, are things about economics. How, how do you practice good economics? How do you have good relationships? How do you handle business relationships? You know, th- this is in the book of Proverbs, and and what I love, too, about the book of Proverbs is actually this uh, interpretation of the book of Proverbs by this guy named Bruce Walkey. He's the absolute man in terms of Old Testament scholarship. 
But he provides this lens that the book of Proverbs is basically someone looking and observing the natural world, but through the lens of covenant, the covenant of Israel and what God has given Israel in terms of blessings and curses, what, what actually it is to live a good life. And so it's someone, primarily Solomon, but there's also other contributors to the book of Proverbs, basically observing life and making profound identifications between what is meaningful life and how that connects to the covenant. That is the backbone, and that's made obvious with Proverbs 1. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. So to me, there's something exciting about that. Did I, did I convince you? I like, I mean, I like that. And again, going back to the story of the Bible is a story of covenants. That was session three. And to read Proverbs, not just as like, hey, here's some good advice, take it. But ultimately advice through the lens of covenant. That, yeah, maybe I'll go back and read it. All right, let me, let me, I want a hot take from you. I'm going to provide a statement and uh, tell me, tell me what you think. Wisdom is fear seeking understanding. Wisdom is fear seeking an understanding. Yeah, are we? Is that actually a proverb? <laughs> no, sorry. This is this okay. is not a proverb. This for a is, second, I'm like, <laughs> but it kind of sounds like fear it. and seeking understanding. Yeah, I actually I like that. So right, it's playing off Anselm's faith seeking understanding. Yeah, but it's well, what do you like about? It? I'm I'm gonna impress you, man. Well, when I think about when I think about when I think about Job, when I think about Ecclesiastes. I think a lot of the preacher's pursuit is like this fear of, will I find the good life or not? Yeah. And Job's, have I lost the good life? Is God who I thought he was? And so a lot of wisdom is trying to understand the world, and oftentimes trying to understand the world is driven by fear as much as it is faith or or just trying to understand what, what's around us. Like fear often drives us to want to understand more. And I think I see that in the wisdom literature. Well, let me... I feel like you could get a sermon out of that. You could. Well, this, so the, I read this book. It's this guy's dissertation turned into a book all about the idea of wonder. And that the, mm-hmm. at, the, at the heart, not the heart, but a, a key part of wisdom is this idea of wonder. So wonder basically being this mixture of fear and fascination or like, like basically just looking out in the world and, and not knowing the answers and being excited about figuring out the answers. It's kind of like a mixture of awe. But but the reason why this guy argues it's it's such a key part of wisdom is because wisdom is based on on perception. Right? You have to you have to perceive the world in some sort of way, right? In order to to be a virtuous person, you have to be aware of yourself, aware of the world around you, aware of God's action. And so part of perception is is actually finding the world interesting, finding the world uh, as something to discover, finding God. Like if, if, if you come to a place where you've got God nailed down, you're not in a good place. There's got to be some sort of wonder and fear. And so it's that that in-between of like what we know and and all that God is and, and that he's created, trying to work out that gap. And so and so that idea of like this this fear... Seeking understanding in that place. I don't, I don't know if that's compelling to me. That's like a really exciting idea, and I. Just... It is to me too, and I think I actually think that captures Job. I think that yes. captures Ecclesiastes really well. Yeah. So press press into that because it's always interesting. You know, Proverbs and Job are put in the category of wisdom, but they're so they're so different. It's it's hard to find any immediate similarities. So for you, 
How, how does Job connect to this idea of wisdom, and why is this so different, or what are the similarities with like Proverbs? I think this is why reading the whole Bible is really important, because Proverbs, if you read it, you could think that wisdom literature is ultimately saying it's really easy to understand the world. Mm. And I, I don't think that's what Proverbs is saying. If I train up a child in the way that she goes, it'll, it'll work out well for them, yeah. or... If I, you know, if I save my money, I'll get more of it. It's like, and obviously, like, those are crass understandings of Proverbs. But but it, Proverbs seems to say, if you do this, this will happen. And what Joe, and I don't, again, I don't think Proverbs is saying that. It's saying most of the time this is how it goes, but there's tensions in, in the world. And what Job does is gets right at an assumed proverb of the day, and I think continued to be a assumed proverb of our universe, which is, if you live a righteous life, God will bless you. Yeah. If you do the right things, God will give you the right things. And Job addresses the question, well, why does it seem like there are people who do really good things and have and suffer mm-hmm. enormously? And Job is a, is a meditation on the question. So Proverbs is like, if you're righteous, you'll have good outcomes, which for the most part is true. Right. If you're a good person, oftentimes good things will happen to you. However, that is not always what happens. Mm-hmm. And so Job begins to address the question, why does it seem like good people suffer? Yeah, and that and that gets hit, you know, pressed upon even in the Psalms, right? The questions of why do the wicked prosper? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think, you know, of God's God's response in Job? And, and maybe you'll have to tell us what it is. But you have so many chapters in the Book of Job of Job talking with his buddies. His buddies are saying, you know, untruths, basically saying, Job, if you just were better, if you just would repent, you know, his wife is telling him to just curse God and die. Then you get Elihu, who he's. Some people like him. I, I, I stick to that interpretation that Elihu's actually a good, a good friend. But, anyways, there's all this dialogue between friends, and then God finally speaks at the end of Job. And so, what, what is, what does God say? What's the message of Job, and and how does that speak into the, why do righteous people suffer and the wicked prosper? Well, first, I want to back. I want to back up to the beginning. Yep. Because Job one, I think what a lot of people try to do with Job is say, so yeah, but he still deserves some of it. We're all sinners, mm. and it's no, that's it's very clear at the beginning of the book that Job is is said that he fears God, um, and that uh, God says this of of Job himself. And so, what's important is as the the book proceeds, is Job is a righteous man. That's yeah. not up for debate because God said it. So Job, everything Job suffers will not be because of his sin. And we know that at the beginning of the book. And that's what introduces the tension is, one, people still want to say, even today, like, and again, this is, we we had the Joel Osteen crack earlier. <laughs> like, this is embedded in American theology, which is, if you're good, per, if you're righteous, God will bless you. But what happens in Job is, Job is righteous and he's cursed. He suffers. Yeah. So that's really important. So then we go through these cycles of speeches where basically the friends represent the Joel Osteen view, which is if you are righteous, then you will have good things. So Job, that means, therefore, you are a sinner because you have bad things. Bad things are happening to you. That's evidence that you're a sinner. And Job, throughout the entire books, maintains his purity because, no, that's not true. And so that you just get a lot of arguing back and forth. Actually, it's a lot of interesting stuff because the the friends kind of start like, encouraging and then they as job like gets firm that more firm they escalate and it's like no man actually actually you're an incredibly wicked man like it just it's like wait you didn't say that earlier and now you are because 
what Job is showing is their theology is breaking on Job. Yeah. Because they know who Job is, and they know he's righteous. So anyway, going back to the comment about wonder, before we get to when God speaks in Job 38, first you have this interlude in Job 28, yeah. which is this really important chapter, and it gets at the importance of pursuing these questions in life. And, and the yeah. image given in Job 28 is of mining out copper and iron from the earth. Right, so ver, uh, Job 28, verse 3, Man puts an end to darkness, searches out the farthest limit, the ore and gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers, but they hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. It's like this incredible image of man's ingenuity to mine out wealth from the earth. But then you get to, to verse 12, But where shall wisdom be found? Mm-hmm. Where is the place of understanding? That question gets repeated in verse 20. From where does wisdom come? Where is the place of understanding? And then it's it's ultimately the answer is God alone understands the way to it. Mm-hmm. He knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth, sees everything under the heavens. So I think that that invites what you talked about earlier, which is this invitation to explore the world and seek God because the world is not as easy to understand as we think it yeah. is. And ultimately, and I would disagree with you, I think Elihu's bad as well. <laughs> and I think he's the worst, and what, which is why God's like, I'm done with all of... Like, I'm going to interrupt this guy because I'm tired of hearing him speak. Anyway, that's that's my interpretation. Um, but, but ultimately, what God's doing in Job 38 is coming in and basically making that point to Job mm-hmm. to say, you, you cannot understand the fullness of the universe. And so God's speaking then, he, he gives him a, a run through the universe of yeah. wonder, yeah. of how does it snow? And it's, listen, it's seven, when we're recording this, it's seven degrees and it's been snowing for like three days straight. Where, Job, where does, the, where does the snow come from? Uh, when an animal needs to be fed, what, how, do you feed it? Like, do you take care of the deer in the forest? When it needs to rain and crops need, uh, Job, do you make it rain? And a lot of people read this as, as, as the Lord, like, just like throwing down on Job. Mm-hmm. I don't read it that way at all. I actually feel this. I think this is a very pastoral moment because mm-hmm. remember Job's just lost everything because he's righteous and the Lord put him through a test. I don't think at the end of the book the Lord's coming to tell off Job. I think he's he's actually very pastorally walking Job through the universe and being like, there's so much you don't understand in this world that you don't provide for. Trust me in your circumstance essentially is what is what the message of, of Job is leads to. So I don't know how that answers your question, but that's my No, that's my a, I mean, it talks about what what the key tensions in the book of Job and then how God comes in on the scene at the end and provides his word. And what's interesting, right, is and and shout out to Sandy Kavanaugh who who told me this or I heard it from her um uh, that that God comes and and he doesn't give Job the what answer. He doesn't or, or the why. He doesn't explain why, but he gives he gives Job the who. I, I'm the one who has created the Leviathan. Um, I'm the one who sets all things in motion. Were you with me when I created the heavens and that were you there when these things like I and again not not in a uh, you know, Job, you're so dumb, but but again, casting turning the eyes towards towards the Lord and his grandeur and and part of that wonder book, it even has a statement that I think is just absolutely uh, wild, but but so good. Even he's, he says that chaos has a rightful place in the book of Job. That that mm-hmm. even even the the natural world around you, the chaos, the sea. It talks about the sea, which is you know the the key image of chaos. Like even the sea has a place, and and you might you don't you don't understand it. Like that this world is is not tamed by you. 
you are not the tamer of the world. It's so much bigger. But but I'm God. I I am the one who holds wisdom. I I am the source, and I and I'm here. You mentioned a uh, Leviathan. What's a Leviathan? Leviathan is the uh, classic like sea monster. Is that is that what you're referring to? That's one option for Leviathan. The other option for Leviathan is when I was in high school. I was in a, a metal band called Leviathan. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> there were like two good drummers in our grade and and there was a band who like wanted to be like really edgy and so they and like metal and so they tried to think of what's a scary image in Leviathan. Leviathan, was man, it's the true. Answer. Not not Christians to be clear. I don't know if they knew that Leviathan was in joke. But yeah, for a while I was in a metal band called Leviathan. That, anyway, that um, was when you were uh Getting your ears pierced. My ears were pierced at yeah, that point. Yeah, that's right. I that's knew re- that's referring back to a previous podcast. This is the good stuff you get if, yeah. when you hang in. Um, <laughs> one one thing to add that's actually relevant to the book of Job that I, I do think is important is, you know, one of the one of the things Job does for the writings for the the wisdom literature is is we're actually given the why answer to Job in the beginning of the book. Yeah, that's right. But Job isn't. Yeah. And I think that's really informative. And the, not that the why answer is very, it actually raises a whole host of other questions, which is why did God let, you know, who's the Satan? Who is, uh, why is God letting him test Job? Right. All of those things are important. But what's, what matters for us is we, we don't get the why question in our own lives for the things that go wrong, for suffering, for those things. We don't, it's, it's very, and this is, this is important because oftentimes when people suffer, Christians try to come in with the why reason, right? It's, well, this is why this is happening yeah. to you, which is, the whole point of the book of Job is don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so if you're if you're a Christian out there who who like someone's suffering, the most powerful moment of the book of Job is when the friends come to Job and they they just sit silently with him for seven days. Mm-hmm. And if the book of Job ended at the end of chapter three, it'd be a powerful book of how to suffer with your friends. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't. And then they be, they try to tell him what happened to him, why what happened to him. And so much of the book of Job is again. Where is wisdom to, to be found? Where is where does where does the wonder take us? Often not to very tight why answers yeah. for what's happening in the world around us, but there's an invitation into into wonder. And so that, this is again why why what makes the wisdom literature to me so powerful, and why maybe I struggle with proverbs is proverbs even though it's not doing this at times it feels like it's giving pat answers to a yeah. complex universe, which again it's not doing. And I think yeah. you you highlighted that, but that's what makes Job so powerful is. We never, Job's never told, actually, you are righteous and you're the most righteous person I know. And that's why you got this test. God never says that to Job. Yeah. And Job never knows um, what happened to him. And yet, Job doesn't need to know because he gets the who. He gets the presence of God explaining the universe to him, which is the invitation of wisdom ultimately is to seek God, not yes. to seek answers to complex questions, even though they might come and those questions are important. Ultimately, wisdom is about seeking God. It's the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of, of wisdom. So in preparation for this class, I just spent some time in Psalm 119. And, and this is just a theme throughout Scripture, especially the Old Testament and the Psalms. It's the theme that, that God is, is the person who makes wise the simple. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's the proud. It's those who delight in their knowledge, who are humbled, who are shown to be fools and foolish. But it's the simple who are shown to be wise. Why? Because they have the word of God, because they fear the Lord. And I think that is, is a really powerful word, too, as we think about wisdom literature, of locating wisdom not in our own selves. Like, as soon as we find ourselves wise uh, in our own communities, 
or you know in, enjoying our, our own talk you know that's that's when we've gone down the route of job's friends yeah um but over and over again it's the fear of the lord it's 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 trusting the word of god that is the only thing that produces wisdom which means a, a child can be wise which means that that someone who who seems a little off in their personality can be wise mm-hmm. because wh- wisdom isn't isn't located in our intellect and and I think that's something so powerful about wisdom literature is how it just hits that theme over and over and over again where can you find wisdom only in God and it's why we're doing doing this class these podcasts because our hope is you will seek God in the way Job sought God which was to say I'm not I'm not going to take these pat answers from my friends who think they know it all. I'm going to wait for a word from the Lord. God has to speak into this. Um, And that's really, I think, what wisdom invites us into is a life of seeking what God's word is, who he is for the situations in the world we find ourselves in. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to end this podcast. Thanks for listening to episode six. We're... uh, we're almost through. So this has been this has been really fun. Thanks for listening along with us. We'll uh see you next time.